0: Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. GrandmasCatering.com.
1: This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomeen and dean Today is Monday, July 11th. Coming up, how Missouri's new election laws could affect your next visit to the polls.
0: It will change the way many Missourians vote and give them a few more opportunities than they might have had in the past. And and a few more uh, uh, obstacles to overcome in in order to be able to vote.
1: But first, some headlines. The deadline for Kansans to register to vote for the upcoming primary election is tomorrow. Dylan Lyson of the Kansas News Service reports. Kansans can register to vote either online at VoteKansas.gov or in person at their county election office. Primary elections in Kansas are normally for Republicans and Democrats to nominate candidates for political positions. But this year, a state constitutional amendment is also on the ballot. It would change the Kansas Constitution to say it does not include a right to abortion. All Kansas voters can cast a ballot on the amendment, regardless of their political affiliation. The primary election is August 2nd. If Jackson County can't find the money, one of its departments could literally run out of gas by the end of the summer. KCUR's Lawrence Brooks IV explains. The Jackson County Drug Task Force's 2022 budget did not account for the 300 percent increase in the cost of gas due to inflation. So they've requested $130,000 be transferred from their contractual services fund to cover the increase. The task force investigates drug crimes in the region. The fund they want to borrow from includes costs for vendors that supply things like paper or snacks and amenities such as furniture. The request must be approved by the Jackson County Legislature and the Anti-Crime Committee. If denied, officials say they will run out of money for gas by the end of August. Late last month, Missouri Governor Mike Parson signed a sweeping bill that requires voters to have a photo ID when they go to the polls. It also provides for two weeks of no-excuse, absentee, in-person voting, and replaces the Missouri presidential primary with a caucus. The bill will be in effect for this November's elections, but not for next month's primary. Peveril Squire is a political scientist at the University of Missouri in Columbia. He walked KCUR's Steve Kraske through what these changes will mean for voters and elections. Here's part of their conversation on Up to Date.
2: This bill has been described as sweeping because it does so many things. How big a deal is it?
0: It is a big deal. It it will change uh, the way many Missourians vote and give them a few more opportunities than they might have had in the past and and a few more um, sort of uh, obstacles to overcome in, in order to be able to vote. So uh, assuming it goes into effect uh, in November, we will uh, see a somewhat different process than many of us may come familiar with.
2: You know, the New York Times described it this way the voter identification rule was the latest instituted in a Republican controlled state and reflected the party's continued mistrust of common voting practices, including the use of voting machines. I'm wondering, does that sound right to you when The Times described the GOP as having a continued mistrust of common voting practices?
0: Well, I think this is something certainly the Republicans here in Missouri have pushed for quite a while now. It, it's not simply the outcome of concerns raised about the 2020 election. Uh, they pushed for a photo a photo ID for quite a while. Uh, it's gotten caught in the courts a, a, a couple of times and and we'll see if it gets caught again uh, this time around, if anybody gets it into the court system uh, before November. But I think this is just an ongoing series of changes. And, and there are a few instances in this particular bill where they did relax some of the provisions. So it's a little bit of a trade-off.
2: You know, I thought back in 2016, and you, you just referred to this, Professor, that Missouri voters approved voter ID rules at the ballot box. What happened to that?
0: Well, it went up into the courts, and it ran afoul of certain provisions, as the court interpreted from the Missouri Constitution. Um, and, and so we'll see whether a, a somewhat slightly <laughs> a constituted court now uh, looks at this uh, new proposal uh, any differently than they have some of the earlier proposals. You know, uh, it, we, we focus on this notion that it's photo ID, um, and, which is true, uh, but the big question with photo ID is which IDs get counted um, and there's a lot of politics behind, uh, you know, which state IDs uh, count, and which ones don't. And, and so we'll see again uh, how uh, the courts might interpret this particular uh, version, because it is fairly strict in terms of the kinds of IDs that can be used.
2: So the big change uh, is this change to voter ID. What does that mean exactly, Professor, when someone goes to the polls?
0: Well, it means you have to produce an acceptable photo ID uh when you uh come up to uh to vote and uh the the question again is which IDs count certainly uh a current driver's license counts a uh, current US passport counts um but some of the things that uh sometimes uh, these provisions across the states including this new one here in Missouri don't count uh are student IDs even if they're issued by a state university Um, And again, that seems to have some political underpinnings in terms of uh, who might be able to use those uh, particular IDs to vote. Uh, Here in Missouri, if you do not have an acceptable uh, ID, um, you can vote a provisional ballot, but then you have to produce uh, either a photo ID or have your signature checked against uh, the voter uh, registration uh, signature. And and so uh, we're not quite sure how in effect mechanically uh, that will happen if, if we run into problems with this in November.
2: No, you mentioned that back in 2016, professor, that this thing passed, but then wound up in court and got waylaid. How likely is it this time that these new rules wind up in court? Because I now understand that the L- League of Women Voters is indicating it might go to court over this.
0: Well, I, you know, it, it is an open question, and, and we have a couple of concerns. One is it's it's going to be implemented very uh, quickly. That is it goes into effect just after the August primary. Um so there's not much time that's available for voter education in advance of the uh November election. Um, and courts sometimes look askance at, at changing election rules um close to an election. And so it, it, it might get waylaid for at least this upcoming election on that ground. And and then there again the same concerns that have been raised earlier about whether this in fact runs uh, against or counter to some provisions in the Missouri Constitution Hmm. um, by uh, applying such a strict photo ID requirement. And again, the court's not quite the same that it was in 2016. Uh, We don't know if the uh, new personnel will uh, look at this provision differently than their predecessors might have looked at it. Uh, But, you know, the Missouri Supreme Court tends to be um, fairly independent.
2: Well, starting in 2023, the new law requires the use of hand-marked paper ballots statewide. Does that mean that touchscreen voting is headed out the door?
0: Uh, For most of us, it will. Uh, I think they'll probably still have to have uh, a touchscreen available for uh, people with um, certain disabilities to be able to vote. Uh, but I think most of us uh, will be using what's probably familiar to, uh, in many places already.
2: The law also bars the use of drop boxes, Professor. What are drop boxes and why were they banned?
0: Uh, drop boxes have uh, become one of the, uh, the sort of bugaboos from the 2020 election. Um, they're just boxes that might be placed outside the county auditor's office. Um, and there you can think of them as just an alternative to a mailbox, a U.S. mailbox. Uh, we, of course, don't have that many U.S. mailboxes around anymore. They used to be far more prevalent than they are now. And it was just a way for the voter to deposit uh, a, a ballot um, that they've been able to fill out in advance and, into the, uh, the drop box, and, and then that would be taken into uh, to the, the county officials to be tabulated. Um, it just makes it a little bit harder for some people in some places to be able to vote drop boxes were convenient in more heavily congested urban areas. Um, and again, if, if the postal service is either um, not easily accessible or uh, not particularly reliable, and we've mm-hmm. had reliability problems recently, um, that uh, it was just one way that a voter could make sure his or her ballot got counted.
2: One other big change is the elimination of primaries to pick presidential nominees every four years in Missouri. The state will now use caucuses that are, you know, usually not very well attended. Why did the General Assembly uh, choose to go that route?
0: That's an interesting decision, and I think most Missourians won't realize what's happened until the uh, 2024 uh, election approaches. Um, You know, I spent many years in Iowa. I'm intimately familiar with the Iowa caucuses. Um, they are not as generally accessible to voters as um, a primary election is. So far fewer people will participate. Um, and, and so I think a lot of people in both the Republican and Democratic parties will feel left out of the process uh, when it comes time to, uh, to figure out who Missouri voters uh, want to back uh, in the 2024 election. Um, you know, there's some trivial um, cost-saving associated with this. Um, it's also a way for um, state party leaders and state party organizations to have a somewhat um, tighter control over the, the kinds of candidates um, that get supported by the state party. So we'll have to see exactly where Missouri um, finds itself on the calendar in 2024, uh, and it may be that uh, Missouri simply will not be a player in uh, in the presidential primaries uh, in that election.
2: You can't help but wonder how Missourians will feel about that once sort of this revelation becomes more broadly known. I I think
0: they will probably be shocked by it and and they'll probably wonder why they, uh, for the most part, are, are no longer given a vote in what will undoubtedly be an important contest.
1: That was University of Missouri political scientist Peveril Squire and KCUR's Steve Kraske. You can hear their entire conversation from up to date at KCUR.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Ugia Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news coverage from Kansas City's NPR station, visit KCUR.org. Tomorrow, we'll hear what you need to know to stay safe during this new phase of the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks for listening and I'll see you soon. When reporter Katherine Stortz-Ripley stumbled across an old newspaper article saying Chillicothe, Missouri was the first place in the world to offer machine sliced bread, even she had her doubts. But then she did some digging. This whole mystery all of a sudden was unfolding. Here Here was the key. This gentleman had all the answers. The truth behind the origin of sliced bread on the latest episode of the podcast, A People's History of Kansas City. Subscribe.